be a failure if, if I weren't hiking or weren't successfully doing something. And I think that that deters a lot of us from getting outside. I know it deters myself substantially. And then you think of why do we even feel that way or why it's even that way to be with it. Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of 2022 of To The Trails. I'm your host, Katie Newland, and welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back after holidays and New Year's and I have no idea what kind of holiday you guys had but my goodness ours was very chill. (laughs) Ours was exceptionally uneventful um, albeit COVID free so that was I do have to say that we are very grateful that we well we don't really see hardly anybody. (laughs) Anyway Welcome back. I hope you guys also had a very relaxing and uneventful holiday season. Whatever you did, whoever you were, whomever you were with, um, and whatever you did, I hope that I hope that it was glorious in all its chill or eventfulness. Um, but I know that all across social media, I have seen copious amounts of my friends and family and everyone getting COVID. So I really, really hope that everyone is doing what they need to do to be as healthy as they can be. So with that being said, um, we are going to continue the trend of keeping this very personal and very real. Um, and I think that what better way to start that one with being brutally honest and after coming out of the holidays and really taking some time and getting off of social media and not posting things and not being actively immersed in, you know, people that I follow on YouTube and all of that nonsense, which is glorious and wonderful, but it's really hard to want to come back and do this kind of stuff or just be at a computer, be working, be consulting, doing whatever it is that needs to be done it's really, really hard to find that motivation to do that. Um, And I don't know where you guys are and how you guys feel, but I feel like with everything shutting down and in the world, the state of chaos of the world, it just feels like the motivation just quite isn't there. Um, Anyway, I I don't know. Maybe you guys are feeling highly motivated and please, by all means... um, send me something that motivates me then so that we can be on the same page but I'm just not feeling insanely motivated to really for instance like to go out and find places to hike for example or to have that desire to even want to go travel or to to do not that you can travel really but um I don't know it's just kind of lacking and and Fernando and I were even having an entire conversation about how we're in this phase where we don't really feel that yearn to go and and travel and per se like have a goal of summiting something or finishing a through hike or doing something big it just feels like what what we need and what I feel like I need right now is just to be outside in some capacity so what I really want to talk about in this episode of the first year 2022 is how to morph that idea and like how to morph what you need into being outside basically how you can be outside with whatever you, whatever suits your current level of motivation. Um, Because for example, like I feel that it would be a failure 
if if I weren't hiking or weren't successfully doing something. And I think that that deters a lot of us from getting outside. I know it deters myself substantially. And then you think of why do we even feel that way or why it's even that way to begin with. And it's kind of absurd that we set this reality that we have to go to a national park. Or we've talked about that before. Where we have to go do something big and spend money and go on a vacation and set aside this huge chunk of time. And that just doesn't happen for the most part. Um... And even when you do have a whole lifestyle built around that, right? If you're doing van life or something or bike touring, like you are literally immersed in <laughs> the outdoors. Um, you cannot not be outside because that that is your space to occupy. It's still, it just still sometimes feels like it's an expectation that is unmet. And if you're not doing that wholeheartedly and fully like, hiking and summiting and just doing some big Instagram worthy story, then it's futile and that's bogus. So what I want to really talk about is kind of what I've been experiencing and feeling and what we're going to be working on, what I'm going to be personally working on that's going to get me outside for 2022 to begin with. Um, And maybe that will help you guys identify what you want to do and what your goals can be you know, screw New Year's resolutions, you don't need any of that, but having these things that are actually obtainable and actually fulfill you in some capacity rather than an expectation. Um, and one of my best friends sent me this this thing that really, that she was going to do was having this like 1,000 hours of being outside and it was this really cool, like you basically just color in like a little bar um, or color in some kind of cool little list on every time you're outside. And that made me think, when I felt like, okay, I have no big goals, I have no lofty expectations of, oh, I'm going to go to these five parks this year and I'm going to do amazing photography and we're going to get all sorts of cool stuff and like, I'm going to feel like, you know, insanely accomplished and that's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen this year. Um, We're not going to be traveling because of COVID. We're not going to be outside because we have two dogs and finding trails outside in Patagonia is really hard with two dogs. But we spend an insane amount of time outside. And so these checklists made me think that you don't have to label it as something exotic (laughs) to make it count. Uh, And it doesn't even have to count. Like you don't even have to log hours. Um, But it made me think in a different way that I'm going to share with you guys what I'm going to be working on and what our goals as like a unit are. And maybe that inspires you guys to realize that like if you sit outside on your balcony, that counts. (laughs) If you go to a park and lounge under a tree and nap or read, that counts. You don't have to go and do a five mile hike in order for it to count. So and I also saw this on another it was an outdoor hiking group um, on Facebook and somebody was asking like whether or not their logbook, like whether or not their hiking logbooks that you can do. Um, and it was like whether or not she could log her walks with her dog in a nearby park as a hiking, like girl, it's your hiking logbook. You can do whatever the hell you want to do with it. <laughs> like to me, that should obviously count. Like anything you want to count as outside counts. Anyway, I digress. Uh, one of my favorite lines. So what my goal and like what my outdoor has been looking like for the past few days has been like really after like the holidays has been planning what we are going to do with our property so I didn't give you guys a 
copious amount of details in the last episode. It, it kind of, you know, went into this more like large group discussion almost, but we bought property in Chilean Patagonia. And so I'll tell you the specifics. It's 123 acres. Uh, it's like 51 point something hectares. And it has, it, it's, a, it's basically in a valley with mountains on both sides. Um, and the majority of our property is, is, on, is very steep. It's on the mountainside. You can climb quite high, um, but it's not, it's not easy hiking by any stretch of the imagination. And it's filled with a lot of streams that have become very, they're not caves, but they're like very deep caverns in a sense. Um, very steep slopes. Like you cannot just walk down into the, the creeks. Um, you can enter the creeks from the bottom. So it's in a valley. And this valley has different properties that kind of go along it like tracks. And this was originally owned by one family a few generations ago. It's a, you know, a couple thousands of acres. And when that family, when their parents passed, I think it was their grandparent generation, um, they passed it on to their children. Those children divvied it up, which is very typical here in Chile. It gets divided equally between all of the remaining siblings. Um, and then those brothers still currently live on that property on different pieces of the property and have since subdivided it even further from the next generation. So there's, there are three brothers that are still living on the property. Um, the other parts have been sold off and they are owned mostly for cattle ranching. Uh, so we have a lot of cattle that roam on there. They are currently grazing on all our, our property as well. Um, and then that will change next year when we're actually moving out there. They'll, they'll be off, but all of our neighbors are cows <laughs> and sheep. Um, anyway, so when you drive through, it's a very rough road. Uh, we've got three stream crossings that we do uh, to get there. And after it rains, you can still make it across. Um, but we, we drive across three streams. There are no bridges. It's just You just drive across streams. Um, and the, the road, this really rough kind of rock, it's not gravel. Uh, it's like very smooth rocks, but there are some large ones as well um gets very rutted in the winter and like with the the rain of course but as you drive along you follow this this river it's enormous at, at times um and it's a glacier water it's all glacier water and the valley actually arcs around in a large u and our property sits on like the it would be like the top part of the u that you're drawing uh, it sits here and so as you go along you run parallel with this river and then when you reach our property, which is the second to the last, there's only one person that lives beyond us. Um, there is an existing house that is on the property. It was somebody, the people who owned it before us built this as a summer house. Um, the houses here are very, very typical that they're, they're lifted off the ground. So they're raised. I think we could call it platform. <laughs> um, so it's, it's raised above. It has a crawl space below. The crawl spaces are not boarded in uh, to allow for air circulation. And then the outside is just like metal paneling. Um, but it needs a lot of TLC. It's, it's well done enough. We had um, one of the, the construction guys here that's our neighbor come out and look at it. And it, it's sturdy enough that we should be able to repair it. Uh, not repair it, but like do kind of DIY stuff. Um, but it's metal siding and it has a very, very small little patio on the side, um, but it overlooks the river from the back and then it has a, f a really old wooden fence that, that surrounds the perimeter because the cattle have been running on that property uh, to keep the cattle off of the, the house, essentially, that is fully rotten and, and needs to be ripped out and redone. 
Um, so the reason I'm telling you guys all of this is that we've now been going out and spending some time. We went out um, over over the holiday break and we spent, you know, a couple of days, just not not consecutive days because the house is not really livable. It doesn't have any running water right now to it. Um, all the water comes from the river or the streams um, and the old line is busted just because of the, the cold. So it needs to be replaced. It's pretty normal. So we need to set in new lines. We need to to plumb a bathroom. Also very easy. Um, and we need to do a lot of repairs that like it doesn't have insulation. So anyway, the the point is that we were out spending time on the property, um, and we were hiking around. There are an exorbitant amount of deer fly <laughs> right now, which we are learning. You just have to get used to. Um, I've never been to Alaska in like mosquito season, so I imagine that is much worse than deer fly. Uh, because deer fly, they bite, but they don't leave a welt, uh, and it's kind of done. It's like a nice little acupuncture by nature. Um, but they're insanely annoying, and we're going to have to get used to them because there's really nothing you can do about them. Apparently, you can wear, like, light color clothes. And if anybody has any tips on what to deal, to do to deal with deer fly, like, please, please let us know. Please let me know <laughs> if anybody knows of natural predators of deer fly or... Or things that actually like regulate that in ecosystems also let me know because the whole approach will be um, kind of a permaculture self-sustaining ecosystem style is what we're going to hopefully establish what we will aim to establish on the property but apparently we're going to get into yellow jacket season and that is that can be quite dangerous and they are uh, I don't know that they are native but they are definitely um, overtaking that area so that's going to be have that's going to have to be something that we address as well but we were exploring the property and we got really excited, but also took a step back. And the original plan was after we bought the property was to to build something on the property. We were going to build a very small home, not a tiny home, um, but less than a couple hundred square feet, like a small home. Um, but we started exploring the property, which is enormous. Like we haven't even covered a fraction of it out of 120 acres. Like there's no way. But we have done the stream crossing. You get up to like an, above your knees. At this point, it's pretty low because it's summer here in Patagonia um, because we're in the southern hemisphere. But the water is insanely cold. We did cross for like two seconds uh, to the other side of the property. But basically, one side of our property is not something that we would be building a house on. It's not something that we would be building a permanent structure where you would need to cross it on a daily basis. Um, we do have a really cool... Uh, flat area that is very open. There are parts on the property that are quite open, even if they're on the side of the mountain, because the prior owners have been clearing for for firewood. Um, and we were okay with this because we we want land that we can begin to do restoration on and we can begin to replant native species, um, especially like fruiting trees and things that can be harvested for um, that are basically edible in some capacity, uh, whether that be an herb or whether it be a, an um, like a spice for food or there's some trees here that people use for spices for different soups and stuff like that, um, as well as fruit trees and then intermingling that with medicinal herbs or herbs that you can preserve for cooking um, as well as different fruiting and flowering bushes and native uh, flora and fauna essentially. So we've had a couple of different people come out on the property with us um, who are from rural parts of this area and they've been pointing out like all of the different herbs, like there are ferns that people drink and basically people have like 
I mean, they know this land so well um, that it's amazing. They just walk and they're like, oh, you can eat this and you can have this fruit and you can boil this and you can use this root. And the, the, you know, the ground beneath this bush is really, really good dirt. And this indicates that this is a very, you know, good earth area and you can plant something here and it will definitely grow if you look for the combination of these two plants. So it's like a treasure trove of, of knowledge and information. So this one side of our property is going to be um, like for a campfire area and for shelters that people can go and camp. Like the idea is to integrate a whole hiking system throughout here. And, you know, I would love to have like metal tags for different things so that you can learn as you go. And, and it's kind of like a walking um, encyclopedia treasure trove of, of knowledge as you're immersed in, in nature. So we can do stuff on that side of the property, but we can't build a house for example. So we started exploring and we spend some time outside and despite being very annoyed and me, Katie, having a nervous breakdown over the <laughs> breakdown over these flies, um, I have since started to to learn that they're, they bite but it's not horrible. Uh, so you just kind of have to get used to them um, and, and killing them is pointless because they just, another one appears. So, I mean, they're, they're in like the hundreds, so you have to just get used to them apparently. Um, but the, the side that we did start exploring, we found a spot that we really, really like, um, to build. We have the view there's to the one end of the valley, there's a mountain that you can see, and then you have the river that runs through the property. And then you have, which is the clearest water, like it is crystal clear. And the water here has this like aquamarine teal color because it's glacier water. And it's just, uh, it's just breathtaking. Like the rivers here are just phenomenal. Um, anyway, and you can just drink this water. Like it, it's, it's incredible. So you, and then to the other end, you have another mountain. And then to the sides, you have more mountains. And I, I'm just saying mountain, but they're all different. They all are a different flavor. Um, and so it's it's incredible to see this. And we found this spot that we really want to build. Uh, it's very rocky. Everyone keeps telling us to bring machines in and, you know, flatten it out. You can pour a concrete base. You can have a house there. I do not like this idea whatsoever. I want to find some way to build um, with the existing architecture of the land. Um, and I, I don't want to move these boulders. I don't want to move um, any of the earth. I would rather build a platform house and use the existing structure and build a deck out and, and kind of have everything designed around the, the construct of the land. Um, but the whole point of me telling you this is that we started observing and realizing that we don't know much about this land, like, at all. Um, and nobody ever knows a lot about land, but generally speaking, if you've got a flat piece of land, you know where a swampy area is, or you can tell based on the, the plants where you're going to have water. But sometimes here, because you have huge amounts of snow and then you get a huge melting, you can have things that just flood. And so we're not well versed on this property at all. We don't know the cycles of this land. So we decided to take a step back. Also, we're very tired of dealing with contractors and builders and anything like that. So to dive in and get an architect and get a team out there to build um, with the astronomical prices of wood and building materials, especially being in a remote area, it's just something we don't really want to deal with. So 
we have decided that we're going to renovate the house. We got somebody out to look at it. It's structurally sound. The floors are wonky, but we're going to rip some out and like knock down a wall and these kind of things. And so that's going to be one of our big projects. And in doing so, that's going to get us outside because we have to go to the property. We have to spend time outside and we're going to get tired of doing the renovations inside, which means we're going to naturally go outside and we're going to explore um, we needed to start harvesting firewood. Everything here is, is firewood-based um, heating. There, There is no central heating um, in this part uh, of Chile. Um, so everyone has a wood-burning stove. We have a very efficient wood-burning stove, and you need firewood. Um, and granted, the harvesting of firewood will not be ready for, for winter. We have to harvest it you know, a year before and let it fully dry. But there's a lot of downed trees on the property um, and there's a lot of trees that have come down through the river um, from this like U-shaped valley that is that is the property and that all eventually needs to be cleared. There's a lot of work that needs to go into actually maintaining and helping the health of the land. Um, and we started that. We started by, we did not harvest any wood, um, but we started by clearing one of the creeks that the people before us used to run it and they told us like, oh, that creek's dried up. You can't use it anymore to collect water. Well, we started walking up. We hiked up, um, not even just a couple hundred feet and there's water. <laughs> there's water, but there are an insanely large uh, trees that have fallen, like probably a couple hundred years old that have fallen down into these, into these kind of like ravines of the, the creek. Um, and there's it's just filled with debris and nobody's cleared it and I guess because there I mean every time the glaciers melt and the snow melts from up high it flushes it down you know down the stream it just clogs up so we spent just a few hours by hand cleaning out this creek and there's water flowing <laughs> and we didn't even go up that high it's it's incredible like I've never experienced working with it felt like working with nature and then like all of a sudden she could breathe like it was congested and we removed things just to like, just like throwing out leaves and sticks and twigs that had fully clogged this creek, this stream. And at the end, there was water flowing. Like that was just, it just moved me on a, on a fundamental level that I have never experienced. And that was just incredible. Like it was the most invigorating physical <laughs> work ever. Like my hands, uh, now that like all I do is stuff with my hands outside, like I've worked with my hands for years in a lab, um, but always very tiny, you know, detail oriented things um, that are very, very different use of your hands. And now to be working, you know, in the earth, like with things all the time, like my hands are going to be destroyed, but it is so fulfilling. So the whole point of all of this is that I had been doing all of that, but really beating myself up for being like, how on earth can I have a podcast or like have a, you know, a blog and a website and like talk about and, and talk about something that I truly care about is, you know, exploring and adventuring and like having these, realizing the intrinsic complexity and inherent beauty that, that we share with the world around us. Like that's the extent of it. How on earth could I not have something planned and go do something big? I felt like I was a liar. And then you realize that I realized that that's not what it's about. And so then goodness, my best friend sent me, like one of my best friends sent me this, this checklist. 
<laughs> so that I could see how absurd. And it wasn't that it was like obvious. It was like, it was just a thousand hours outside. And the, the phrasing of that made me be like, I've already spent countless hours outside. But it's doing something different than what's expected or what I had expected of myself. So what I want to do is to, to have you challenge yourself in how do you already spend time outside and how can you continue to do that? Or how can you morph it into something that isn't what you thought of it as? Maybe your time outside was sitting on the balcony and maybe you wanted to explore something different. So how can you modify that or how do you not need to modify anything at all? And so... I think that there are a couple of projects that we're going to be working on that I really want to share with you guys. One of the upcoming things I want to talk about is I built a greenhouse outside on our, we're currently renting a house for a year um, in Patagonia. And so we're going to be working on redoing the house. We've got yard work here that we're doing in terms of like learning how to grow. So we built a greenhouse, a uh, very, very simple greenhouse, but I want to show you guys because it is remarkable how a few days of dedication to that you can grow anything you need. Like you can do this in all sorts of ways and you don't have to do it in a way that's fancy or elaborate. And it made me realize how different that mentality can be. And I want to share that with you guys because you don't need to go out and spend a bunch of money and you don't need to even buy something. Like you can use what you already have. You can literally use basically trash that you've got um, to start things. Like you don't have to go buy flower pots and dirt and all this stuff. You can just do it. So we're, we're going to talk about different ways to be outside as well as the classic ways. Um, but I really want to take you guys along for that ride um, and talk about, for example, like there's just no way we want to build a house right now because the, the price is like even to put a new plywood floor. If you just put plywood down, one sheet of plywood is $60 here. $60. I have no idea what the cost is in the US right now, but that's absurd. <laughs> so we are going to learn how to be resourceful. We are going to learn how to have a, you know, a reciprocal relationship with the land and have this act of reciprocity. And I encourage you guys to think about how you can incorporate more time outside, but in a different way than you thought initially. So that is all we have for this week. Um, if you guys have any tips about black flies, please send them my way. If you have any knowledge about permaculture approaches or just how you handle them if you've been hiking, uh, please let me know. That would be much appreciated. And I hope you guys check out this week's blog. And I hope you guys have an absolutely phenomenal week and find some way to spend some time outside in the sunshine. I'll see you guys next week on To The Trails.